Oh, it's Moss Wheatland and Story in Mind, or the other way around. Let's go check out if the guard dog is up and about. The, the, the gate is open. And, uh, right, so I have dubbed the guard dog Cerebus, so we, we shall see. Maybe Cerebus, like Sarah the name, uh, S-A-R-A-H, and then Bus. No. Yoo-hoo! No, no guard dog. <laughs> Just imagining this bleary-eyed, uh, three-headed dog running out. Well, uh, I've done uh, the moon, and in my in my mind, I'm thinking, let's continue and do an episode. Let's do seven episodes of the uh, days of the week as planets, so do a bit of that. I think I can work in um, the uh, C.S. Lewis. There was a book that came out, I think it started off as Planet Narnia, and then it, it which was a, a thesis that was uh, published, and then it was retitled uh, The Narnia Code. And, and what it did was it argued that each of the books in the Narnia series were uh, thematic and based on based on um, I want to say <laughs> the discarded image that it's a medieval medieval notion like the uh, the music of the spheres and why? Uh, because C.S. Lewis had done this poem and discussing each. And if you take a look at, at these uh, books, the, the thesis, I think I read the thesis. I didn't read Narnia Code, so I read Planet Narnia. And it, it made sense to me. I, I was kind of riffing off of it uh, because I like symbolism, and this this was loaded with symbolism. And the first book of the Narnia Chronicles, which is the Lion, the Witch, and the Mo Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the the thematic planet is Jupiter, and it adds a whole new perspective, uh, a bit, say, you know, subtext, and all of a sudden things, things start to leap out, and, but let's, let, let's, uh, well, let's, let's, let's go for, let's go for Jupiter, because that's the, uh, that, that is where we are at. So, 
Wednesday. I believe that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's Wednesday. And we get Wednesday from uh, Woden, who is the Anglo-Saxon version of Odin. It's very, very close in pronunciation. And if you, if you jump over to the French, now this is where things will fall apart. So let's see. It goes lundi, mardi, mercredi, which is you can see, uh, like lunar for lunde, which is Monday. It almost sounds it sounds similar, lundi, Monday. So that's that's Monday, the moon day. And then you go over to um, Tuesday, and in French that would be, uh, let's see, lundi, mardi, the day of Mars. Uh, and how do I know this? In Canada, we, <laughs> we promote bilingualism. And kids, I think it's up to grade 10, I think, have French. And you can continue beyond that. And uh, what is it? Due to circumstances beyond my control, I did not, I, I, I did not, I got some French. I have, I have a, the rudiments. And, uh. There are these moments that they will surface, such as, you know, knowing the uh, days of the week, and I know some other things. And this bizarre th situation of, occasionally I'll have a French-speaking person come up to me and start speaking French, and I start responding, <laughs> and, and, you know, in this kind of hybrid, um, a kind of creole be between uh, the two. I'm thinking that to the south there's probably it's it's probably the uh, a, a variation of that kind of Creole where people are speaking half Spanish and half English. Strange too that it's European languages. You know that Spanish is you know just a swim away uh, from from England and French as well. So, anyways, so we go Lundi, Mardi, uh, the day of, day of Mars, which in English is Tuesday, and Two in Old English is the God of War. So you can kind of see the the connection there. And then, uh, and then we go to Mercredi, and Mercredi. You see the D at the end is day, and then Mecca, you can see Mercury. So Wednesday is Wednesday is the day of Mercury. And <laughs> this is this is where this is where things are, are falling apart for me because I'm sitting here going, wait a second, I wanted to talk about Jupiter. And these these wild horses are going off towards Wednesday. 
And I, I'm thinking... <laughs> that was like my subconscious driving by and honking. <laughs> you think you're in control. All right, so let's, let's do this. So, Wednesday, in... So the, the Anglo-Saxons are attaching... They're attaching uh, the day of Mercury to Woden, and they're they're positioning they're positioning that they don't position uh, Woden, uh, you know, the king of these Norse, these Germanic uh, deities. It's so weird too because you go back to the Proto-Indo-European, and um, you know you find the roots of the of those pantheons. You know, there's this sort of, you know, we're all related. No, we're not. You're my cousin. No, I'm not. So, <laughs> to proceed. So we're, we're at Macredi. And I'm kind of, I'm, I'm forgetting what Thursday is. So, Thursday... I know Thursday is the day, like say, you can, you can see Thor in Thursday. You know, so this is the Norse god of lightning who's being associated with, uh, with that day. There's a bit of a flip around that doesn't make sense because Jupiter is uh, on Thursday. In, in France, and two, it connects down into, uh, it connects to uh, Italy, you know, it's, it's like in England that we've had this break, this sort of Germanic break from, from Latin. So it's Lundi, Mardi, Macredi. It, ma- it would make sense if it was something like, um, you know, Junde or something like that. Something Ju- Jupiter, Jovian. But let's let's get back to the English. I do want to argue though that, you know, why not switch the two? Why? So Jupiter is the is the king of the gods. It's the it's the Latin version of Zeus. And I remember reading some some great like uh, it was it was charting the it was charting Zeus back and and looking at the origin of origin of the title and going back to the Proto-European. And it has something to do with Sky. Like, say, I think it was Sky Father, something. That that was the, this reconstruction, reconstructed name, title. And there's, there's a lot of things going on there. There's, there's this figure that represents... 
like on, on one side of the equation it's patriarchal you know you have this leader of a family it, it's almost like that culture's you know say the 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 greek uh, the roman you, that you could see the a representation of a family you know and here's your patriarch and then the matriarch beside him <clears throat> there's a sense of um there's a sense of rule I, I i'm thinking of say laws and you know here's this judge sitting there and uh you know the the king the king of the gods and yet the this figure is prone to um, human as, as all of these deities are that uh they have soap operas you know and he's he's getting infatuated and slipping away and he's got uh he's got illegitimate children these uh, demigods and demigoddesses running around as as does everybody else and it's not just that we're seeing it's not just that we're seeing a family we're seeing this we're seeing this uh high status family where it's almost like a um satire or critique of the upper class so it's 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 not just saying that it's a religion there's all of these stories and myths that surround this upper class family and just how messed up they are and corrupt and too we see both sides we see them being um struggling to be um <laughs> you know virtuous and too it's it's almost a balance of the two that you know it's that it's that spider-man quote moment of you know with absolute power no with with great power comes great responsibility and and we see these we see these people who not people we see these beings who are uh in some ways immature and they they struggle with um yeah they struggle with their baser nature they're not they're not cut off they're super powerful and yet you know essentially they're human beings a great back story to Jupiter, Zeus, uh, I want to I want to say Woden, but this you know so the All Father, this parent and uh, leader, and that in the in the family that came before. I'm thinking it was, it was the Titans. It was this battle with. It just sh- sort of showed how how messed up this dynasty is, and that uh, the the I guess it would be the 
Zeus's father is trying to suppress or to kill his children in order to, to remain in power. But what this does is, is promotes a, a kind of civil war. I, I was just watching a, a documentary, I think it was about three episodes, and it was talking about a medieval family, uh, a dynasty, and it was, uh, what, what was it called again? Starts with a P. And, and they, <laughs> they were more French than English, but their influence uh, shaped England. You know that they were they were involved in. I, th- I believe they were involved in the Magna Carta or the the steps before the Magna Carta, and this. But uh, this royal family was at each other's throats, and children were vying for the throne, and it was like a bizarre chess game. It was like a Game of Thrones. Which, which also, uh, G.R.R. Martin is, is using, I think it was the War of the Roses, as a inspiration for the song of Ice and Fire slash Game of Thrones. So, uh, we, have, we have these deities... But not only that, for, for Jupiter we have a, what's called a wandering star, slash a planet that is uh, named for the deity. I'm pretty sure that this is going back to the Babylonians, that the, that the Greeks picked this up from the Babylonians. And then... The, you know, the, the Greeks are passing it on to the, the Romans, and then the Romans are passing it on to Europe. And uh, every, everywhere has, every culture has their own naming for things. But, uh, as in, oh, sorry, uh, in, for example, you know, we're not calling. We're not calling uh, the planet Jupiter, say, Thor or Woden. You know that it's it's Jupiter, right? You know that the the English doesn't dominate, or say the the Anglo-Saxon Old English doesn't dominate. You know, instead it, it's the uh, it's the Roman. It's not even the Greek. We don't call the planet Jupiter Zeus. So there's enough of an impact of by the Romans that that it, it continues uh, to this day. No, I, I don't think of Jupiter in, in any other way. Eventually we have powerful enough telescopes that we can we can make out Jupiter and Eventually, we can see things like, say, the the uh, I think it's called the Great Red Spot on Jupiter, and 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 now we have sent uh, we've sent satellites, probes to 
to investigate, you know, and to, I think, I think we've, you know, actually that one has gone into the atmosphere, uh, we have a much better sense of, of it, its composition, um, there's the moons of Jupiter, and I can't remember offhand, but in that territory between Saturn and Jupiter, that there's a suggestion of life, that one of them, it's either Europa or Io, has has uh, ice, has uh, water, and even if, even if there is no uh, life per se, that it's a, it's an excellent place to go and to investigate, and it's, you know, say, one of the stops, you would probably make a good, say, base for, uh, on the road towards colonization, kind of like, say, an outpost or beyond, uh, who knows, you know, let's go there and check it out. Uh, back to back to C.S. Lewis. Why? You know, why should I take a look at that? When the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe came out, it, it was. It's quite obvious that there's this. Let's see. It's quite obvious uh, who Aslan is, or what what the. I'm forgetting drawing a blank on the word, but it's a something. When, when you have a, a character or a situation, that or a setting, say that, is is symbolic and re- represents something else. And there's a a lot of elements of the story, that seem seem a bit a, a bit sort of random, such as the. Um, the winter element of it, or just say that people bypass it and go, you know, oh well, you know, he's talking about Christmas. Uh, he's, uh, you know, we have here's Father Christmas. Uh, these Christmas uh, Christian elements there. Uh, Aslan, we have a we have a kind of uh, sacrifice going on, a sacrifice to save someone else, and there, there's a part of it that is um, deeper, say. C.S. Lewis destroys his uh, manuscripts and drafts, so we don't have anything to go back to, really. Um, he was a scholar, a medieval scholar, and that is where the um, the author of Planet Arnia and the Narnia Code uh, went to was looking at possible possible sources, uh, influences um, from from the angle of the medieval, and what the author came up with was that. C.S. Lewis was uh, had thematic planets, uh, Jupiter, Jupiter especially for the first book, and uh, so so how does that work? Well, with Ju- Jupiter we have 
joviality. You know, somebody who's jovial is pleasant and kind of jokey, um, droll perhaps, an element of humor to them. And the festive season, however you celebrate it, there's many cultures that say, you know, it's the darkest time of year, it's cold, uh, people are gathering together to celebrate, um, in a way to remind each other, you know, that uh, <laughs> we're still alive, you know, here's a good excuse to have a party. So that, there's, there's that element to Jupiter. Joviality contains Jove, and Jove was another uh, name for Jupiter. You know, by Jove, and that's that's connecting to uh, this this pagan deity. There's a there's a contrast there because um, I'll read about say um, people commenting on the Narnia Chronicles and critiquing them. Uh, I, think, I think it's book two where we have Bacchus uh, who arrives or appears and there's this difficulty with the character and people will critique that and other uh, parts of the book and say, well, these are not, you know, this is, there's something not Christian going on. And and two, that, that these people are wanting something uh, Puritan. You know, they want an extreme, uh, ex- extreme children's fantasy. So there was already an, an acknowledgement that something was going on. You know, that you know, here's this learned person who's, you know, kind of doing something that's not quite right. So how Jove or Jupiter or Zeus is appearing in the first book uh, has has to do with a a poem that uh, C.S. Lewis wrote that was was, uh, tying itself to these seven spheres of influence that are found in uh, astrology, which was, you know, <laughs> highly respected uh, back in the medieval time, and we still get we still get elements of that in uh, horoscope. You know, when you, if when and if you check out your daily horoscope, you'll see this kind of fortune cookie uh, snapshot and. Yeah, so we have this connection to uh, something that is older and also going quite, you know, quite quite far back. The the notion that there's these wandering stars, not like the the fixed stars that are, you know, heading around, but instead uh, the planets are doing something different and brighter. Uh, that they they hold sway over our our lives, and we have 
sayings connected to that, like, you know, when the stars align, and uh, various other connections to the, the, the power of stars in our lives. So, uh, looking at the book, if you apply this kind of template of Jupiter and this, what Jupiter symbolizes, that there is this uh, law, that there is this, uh, there's a law, there's a sense of justice, there's a sense of uh, ruler, like say a, a monarch, and so on and so forth. Let us start with the lion. The more obvious choice for Aslan would be uh, the unicorn. The, the medieval, like say, you know, if you're looking at, at a character, you're thinking, oh, I want a, a messianic, uh, sort of a messianic animal, uh, beast, creature. It's the unicorn. The unicorn, that's what the unicorn was. It was... That's symbolic of uh, Christianity or Christ, and then, uh, but C.S. Lewis goes and chooses the king of the animals. He goes and chooses the the monarch, uh, and that that is a, an obvious connection to Jupiter. Jupiter is the king of the gods. Here we have the king of the animals. I think I think Aslan is Turkish. I can't remember what Aslan means. It might mean something like lion. That was another interesting choice. And and just considering say the size of the story, it's not a sprawling, you know, novel, right? This is this is a this is more of a novella, and you know, here is a scholar who is uh, writing a story. Why, why, why use a Turkish name? You know that that's an, an, un, another sort of sidebar. Uh, that's an un, unusual, interesting choice. What, what's going on there with that? Other, other events, other sort of uh, jo- joviality. I'm I'm going towards uh, Father Christmas, uh, showing up and giving gifts. That there's this celebratory uh, nature, and if you go back to the. If you go back to the poem that C.S. Lewis wrote about these uh, seven spheres with, with the medieval connections that they have, that, that there's a sense of uh, winter, there's a sense of... There's a sense of winter, but also that uh, that this celebration uh, breaks through, and 
it's uh, Father Christmas and not Saint Nick or Santa Claus or Saint Nicholas who he was a he was a bishop I'm guessing he was he's a saint but here we have Father Christmas who is a, a bit more difficult that there's these sort of pagan influences and there's a kind of merging uh, together of the two when we finally get uh, Santa Claus in, in New York in the United States but before that there's this sort of bit of division uh, between the two So we're halfway there through this episode. All right. Jupiter. Just thinking of one of the sort of mysteries of Jupiter, besides, you know, that there's the massive storms and that it's obscured and we can't see what's going on uh, on the surface. Or it, even if it has a surface, it might be some kind of boiling um, uh, liquid. I, I remember something about diamonds. It might be raining diamonds, but that's... It was either um, Jupiter or Saturn. Uh, but the, the great red spot is turning kind of counterclockwise to the storms that surround it. And, uh, and, and interesting, you know, nobody, nobody quite understands uh, what's going on. It's surrounded by orange, but it's red, you know, this great red, uh, great red uh, spot, cloud. I, I used a, a lot of um, Jupiter in my first book, uh, Symbolism. In the very first drafts, I was, I was referring to it that we were actually on Jupiter. And then uh, at the end, I pulled back from that and instead made the uh, country as uh, symbolic, right? That we were, we were in a country that that was that was uh, Jupiter, but it, that was the unspoken. And I had other um, figures, like on the flag I have a eagle, because eagles are connected to uh, Jupiter. The, uh, the king of the gods. So there's eagles and lightning. I have lightning in my story. It's kind of lightning punk that instead of... Uh, anyways, the, the power that everybody's using. You know, the houses have electricity. Everybody has electricity, but it's coming from lightning rather than, you know, hydroelectricity or something like that. And uh, as I was writing and editing... I was going to um, 
Brewer's Dictionary of Fables and Sayings? I think I think that's the title. Definitely Brewer's Dictionary. And you can still buy these. And what it does is it gives a foothold into the past. Um, and say for for myself writing, I was looking for I wanted to add, say, uh, depth, and especially for myself, I wanted to have a greater uh, understanding of just symbolically where I was and uh, align myself. Uh, part of my process at that point was uh, having read uh, close to the finish line, I read. Uh, Planet Narnia. Uh, I, I I don't know if I. I'm pretty sure I did not read Narnia Code because I had I had it. I I got a um, I got the gist of it. And so and so that was on the. That was on the top of the pile. There's a great question: is, well, well, why do that? You know, the the story, is more important than something like that. And I, I think it has to do with my interest and that I don't know if it's attention span, uh, but that um, I want it to have depth. I want to be interested. Also, too, I want to research. I'm interested in, you know, finding out little bits and pieces, details. It's kind of like leaving Easter eggs around for people. And there's this thing of, say, most people are not going to catch on, but they are going to get this flavor. They'll sort of go, something's going on here. I don't know what it is. I like the idea of, say, scholars of English literature stumbling over this. And, you know, it's like, what is this beast, <laughs> this strange, fantastical creature, and, you know, attempting to do the taxonomy and sort of place this thing, and, you know, why? Well, one of the critiques on, of fantastic literature, speculative, etc., is that it isn't literature, right? That... It, it seems that, I don't know, a thousand years has to pass. Um, you know, e even though, say, you have something like Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein yeah, you know, which is, uh, I believe it is part of the canon. It, it's a tough thing because it's, you know, there's, there's an element of embarrassment and you sort of bring it up with a scholar and say, well, what about Beowulf? You know, it has monsters and dragons. That's fantasy. No, no, no. It's English literature. It's the first, you know, we don't have anything before that. You know, it's, it's our first, you know, yeah, but how can you say it's literature, right? It's, it's fantasy. Or any of the other fantastical works. Or even something like Paradise Lost, right? There's high, high, high elements of fantasy. Oh, no, no, it's a work of poetry. <laughs> All right, we'll just 
I'll just go to the other side of this, you know, wine and cheese party we're having. We'll, we'll just uh, leave it like that. So it's, it's a bit of a game that the author is playing. And you can go to each of the seven books and start opening up these you know, treasure, treasure boxes and uh, asking questions. Well, how does this apply to the moon book, say? And uh, the silver chair is the moon book in, in the Narnia Chronicles. And it, it, you know, it's the first spark for me is, oh, yeah, silver right that there's this association between uh the moon and silver silver bullets you know the moon because the moon is silver and uh and, and you know and you go you go on and on things like uh, in that book there's this journey into darkness you know you go underground and there's this kind of tension to the whole story there's a sort of two-nature, two-sided quality, two-faced, to uh, the prince who sits on the chair. And that he is, when he sits on the chair, he's trapped, but he has this voice. And then when he's off the chair, he's, you know, brainwashed um, and conditioned. And, and dried. <laughs> right? He's... His hair is fabulous. So, moving into the, the final lap here of this episode, we're approaching the, the crisis of this, of this uh, podcast story. And so here's, here's where we break it all apart. You know, the, the friendship of the thesis is... The fellowship is just in pieces, in ruins. And I'm looking back down the street just to see if I'm where I think I am. I usually walk on, on these on two streets in particular that have these they have houses and there's a sort of residential vibe and, and the trees. But I've got that uh, winter sort of tired thing going on. Everything is a bit sort of blurry. Even though I've had a cup of tea. I, it, yeah. So where does this fall apart? Yeah, so uh, with Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we have Jupiter... There is, there is uh, the, the Snow Queen, or the White Queen. So we have, we have rulership. We have the rulership of, um, you know, the monarchy of the, of the children, that they are promoted to uh, kings and queens of Narnia. And it's it's getting into the 
the fantasy once again of, uh, oh, wouldn't it be awesome to be a child dictator, right? Everyone has to, everyone has to do what you say. And of course, we don't, we don't say it like that. Uh, that's my difficulty with, uh, with, with this argument. And then the notion is that they are virtuous leaders as long as they have aligned themselves with Aslan, this Turkish lion. Oh, no, I mean something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that they've aligned themselves. Oh. I wish that I could get the names of all the, the, dog, the dogs on my walking route. I'm going to put that on. Or maybe I can make up names. That particular dog is... It's sounding like a small dog, but 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 quite um, quite determined. And I'm thinking that it's sort of sending me a message, and it's something like something along the lines of, "Moss, I'm your biggest fan, and you know, won't you won't you uh, get me out of this this jail?" <laughs> I'm imagining that it's a sort of housebound dog. But just to sort of flip things around, that that uh, it, it's actually one of those dogs that has, like, say, lost its legs. It ha- doesn't have back legs, and it has this kind of cart with wheels, right? A kind of wheelbarrow, right, attached that it goes around in. Why? I just want to co- sort of, you know, add these complications to the character, and, and and sort of thinking too. Well, how did it lose its legs? talking with Patrick Boulevard about uh, what is it as as his reader I was wanting small hits of detail to characters and not large hits but what is it these were not weight and mass characters slash the extras right these were not in the background. These were prominent characters. And in the stage, uh, you know, the theater of my mind, that I was sort of seeing characters that actually, and I remember asking him, you know, oh, does this character have, you know, a a role later? You know, and the answer was yes. And then I was saying, "I, I definitely need some kind of what is it, prioritizing or focusing on this character. Just a hit, uh, like a tiny, tiny. But it's not just that, that it has to have meaning. So that hit of detail uh, reveals personality. And it, 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 he, he, was, he was nice about it. I, I, I'm in this position of thinking that I know something. Uh, but I, I, I want to argue that as a reader, that it's coming from that place. And whether you give me, um, you know, I don't know, like a smell or just something, some kind of sensory. It doesn't have to be visual. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. I think I've got wonderfully off track. So, so just getting back to this... Um, 
how things uh, fall apart for for Jupiter in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's not overt. C.S. Lewis never talked about it. There's no notes. Everything is, you know. Uh, and I'm looking at it, going, I, you know, I think that was intentional. I think he obscured, even with this argument and insight. Uh, there's still this quality of, you know, ah, yes, but, you know, it looks, it looks really good. It's a good argument that he's using the, you know, the harmony of the spheres, and I like it. And it, it just plugs in very nicely. But we don't have any... He has not left us anything. Uh, and it, it just seems like the poem and... This this poem on, on the medieval spheres is... Yeah. <laughs> um, so my problem with uh, the monarchy in, in Narnia that it's dependent on the virtuous leader that sort of having a relationship with Aslan is going to fix and make everything better. They say if you have this religion if you're perfectly aligned uh, that that is going to be the case. And yet historically that's not the case. And my top-of-the-list example is this um, medieval dynasty, uh, the documentary I was seeing. Um, these, you know, French who became English. And this is, I think it's in the 1200s, 1300s, around there. And even with their belief system, belief system, cosmology, and, you know, these, <laughs> this huge suggestion of, um, from the New Testament, which is, be a nice person, these, uh, this dynasty, they're, <laughs> they're, they're vile, they're just, they're the worst, you know, it's, uh, the one one of the families in particular was that what is it the marriage uh, yeah uh, uh, this this marriage for you know it, the marriage is all based on acquisition of power the wife had actually uh, been married to uh, the French king and uh, she produced no heirs so the French king divorced her and then she went. And, and married this up-and-coming star who's, uh, I believe his uh, family uh, had one owned uh, the north of France north, west, and north and uh, yeah, and, and so I was thinking oh, happily ever after no, 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 you know, the children and the, and the wife you know, their mother uh, start taking sides and um, infighting actual civil wars and yeah, just uh, brutal um, we see it 
we see it with contemporary dictators <clears throat> who are skirting, uh, skirting, what is it, the surface, and uh, we have, you know, such a thing as uh, Syria, and in, in contrast to that, we have monarchies such as Saudi Arabia and other, other monarchies uh, where, where, where there's this sort of weird um, having your cake and eating it too. I, sus- I suspect that ultimately, you know, these, these are not going to go well. And that they are not going well. That say, you know, your rights and freedoms in, in those countries are severely limited. And we have a really strange relationship, uh, say, with, with those countries. You know, that it has, it ha- has to do with, with oil and oil and money. And two, the the you know, the cultural and expectations, right? You know, oh well, uh, as our glorious leader, you're allowed this, that, the other thing. Uh, back, back to Narnia. Back to Narnia. So we have this. Um, we have a sense of uh, the dictatorship at, at the opening of Narnia that it's a totalitarian uh, regime that the four children uh, wander into. There's a secret police uh, headed by, I want to say a werewolf, but I I think it's just a wolf. And there's this, there's this polarity, you know, that, you know, all of the monsters and uh, the bad um, supernatural beings and creatures, you know, are on one side and, you know, all of the, uh, the, the happier forest spirits and uh, good creatures are on the other side. And, and in, in that, it, it's, it's a critique of, it's a critique of leadership. Uh, I, I would sort of continue that into the, the impossibility of it, that say that these these children are able to do it, but as they mature, and this is jumping to the end of the story, they they end up leaving, they end up returning uh, to our world as children, right? They've they've grown and matured to uh, adults, young adults in Narnia, and then they, uh, they've, they've found their way back. And I'm sort of rolling it over my, in my mind, and I, I think the argument there is that you know, perhaps that the, the wonderment of childhood, you know, that say... You know, I, I played all kinds of games with my childhood friends, and there was a huge element of escapism, and uh, you know, we were 
we were surviving as best as we can, but we we were not um, the monsters in the equation. We were not uh, the brutes, and you know that that goes to the adults, right? You know, that they uh, adults are the ones causing the problems. <laughs> it's not kids, and so maybe that's why the you know, quote-unquote quote kids are leaving, it's because, it's because they've grown up. There's problems with that, because in the, you know, in the, in the next book, you know, we get, there's a return, and I sort of thought, you know, oh, aren't the kids sort of, or at least, um, what is it, is there uh, two or three of, of the kids, and then I think it's Eustace. Is it Eustace? I'm not sure how many of the original kids return in the second book. Is that Prince? I think it was Prince Caspian. But they don't return as adults. And so they've kind of regained their childhood. <laughs> this is me totally reading into this. But if you look at it in the sense of... Um, you know, leadership, if you look in the sense of it as, you know, what is the, the, the medieval uh, equivalent of the king. One of, one of my thoughts was that the white witch, the Snow Queen, is Queen Elizabeth, that it's a, it's a critique, and it's saying that, it's, it's either saying that, say, C.S. Lewis is arguing, or that we're having this medieval lens, and that the, uh, the leader is not supposed to be female. So that's another, another way to, to look at that, right? That uh, arguing the patriarchal over a matriarchal. Which is an interesting, you know, it's, it's, that's an interesting way to say, look at the span of her rule, you know, you know, isn't it a matriarchy? Uh, and yet we have, um, you know, many people. We, you know, we still have a glass ceiling in in Canada. Things have improved. Uh, you know, as we move into having a head of state who is most likely is going to be either Prince Charles or his sons, one of his sons. Unless there's a, a, a mass assassinations, you know, and one of the princesses somewhere, you know, sort of, yes, Queen Elizabeth the Third, and and it's it's got to be odd for, um, say, Americans to be hearing that that uh, Canada's head of state is a monarch, and it, it it does shape, you know, it shapes the culture, it shapes the identity these you know, subtle differences. What else about Jupiter? There's, there's difficult problems with it, because, say, you know, as I brought up, um, Jupiter, that Jupiter has uh, a wandering eye, right? He's, he's not uh, happily married. He's not content he is 
yeah, you know, so he's flitting about, he's having affairs, you know, and how, how do you work that into um, the first book? Uh, you know, that, that's something that doesn't fit. Also, uh, you know, al- aligning Jupiter uh, to Christ, because the most obvious alignment is, you know, oh, right, Aslan is Jesus Christ, you know, but then you bring in this, this other pagan, um, you know, and, and two, a very big part of the medieval experience, I'm sure that, the, you know, the church is not happy with at that time, <laughs> anytime, any, no, 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 but anyways, you know, this really um, messes with, with things, to sort of have this, also this doubling of here you have this pagan deity who is the ruler, and now I'm going to connect that with uh, this uh, Christian deity who is the ruler. Uh, also, too, just to take a step, I don't know if you're you know, aware of, of how um, Christianity works, but there's this trinity that there's these three uh, aspects of the divine. And so, you know, where we have this sort of demigod expression, we also have this father expression. And I think I'd like to shift it a bit to that, because, you know, that character, this uh, patriarchal uh, leader, you know, sitting on a throne... Is a, is a much better uh, alignment with um, Aslan, you know. And, and, to, and, you know, more sort of like, say, the, um, sorry, Jupiter, yeah. And there is comment, I don't know if it's in the first book, but later of, uh, I think it's the emperor who lives across the sea that in the east that there's this island where uh, Aslan's father lives. And I'm sort of more going for that kind of connection. But with all, all that trouble, <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to leave you, you know, now that I've made a mess. Uh, thank you for listening. And what is it? I guess, I guess it's that, say, to uh, be open to different perspectives and to be paying attention to um, not have the blinders on and to be sort of looking for other perspectives uh, that in a way complicate, you know, because with this, say, new perspective of the Narnia Chronicles, it becomes more complex and more troublesome. All right. Thanks for listening. Take care.